This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Authority. How do you respond to it? Do you rebel against authority or submit to it? We like to maintain control over our lives, be in charge of ourselves, and be our own bosses. God has something to teach us about authority in today's message. Jesus revealed he's after people. How well would you say you know and understand Jesus Christ? We are in the midst of a sermon series entitled Jesus Revealed, and our purpose is to get to know him better. Today in Scripture, Jesus reveals something about himself that is very important for us to take seriously. Stay with us and find out what it is. We begin our worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, you sent your only Son as the word of life for our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Help us believe with joy and obedience what the scriptures proclaim through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. One day, while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof 
and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questions, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go on to your home. Immediately the man stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home glorifying God. Amazement seized all all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today.
Dear friends, how do you respond to authority? As human beings, you see, we respond to authority in a variety of ways. Sometimes we respect it, we recognize it, we obey it, we trust it. We turn to authorities with our questions needing solutions. As parents, it's our job to teach our children respect for authority. But sometimes we question authority, we balk at it, we chafe at it, we challenge it, rebel against it, because there's something deep within us that doesn't like being told what to do. We'd like to maintain control over our own lives, to be in charge of our own lives, to be our own bosses. And when you think about it, authority is a major issue of life. Another question, have you ever considered Jesus the authority over you? For that's what he came to be in your life, as the Gospels tell us. It says in the Gospels that the stories of Jesus, that when he taught, he spoke with authority. People marveled at his authority because he didn't teach as the other rabbis taught. He taught without footnotes, without quoting others. He challenged the system. You have heard it said this, but I say to you, and they were mesmerized and sometimes challenged and even angered by how he spoke with such authority. It would get him into trouble. Today, we see him exercising authority with a man that was paralyzed. He had been brought to him. Jesus was in a house in Capernaum teaching. The place was packed with all the teachers and Pharisees of the surrounding villages there. It was a literal who's who of religious authorities of the day. They had heard about this new rabbi who was drawing a great following amongst the people of their own villages. I mean, there were even teachers from as far away as the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was obviously getting a lot of attention raising eyebrows, stirring things up a bit for everyone. While he was teaching that day, Luke tells us, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Almost as if Luke is setting us up to expect something big to happen. Well, some men came carrying a friend of theirs, and uh, he was a paralytic. The crowd was too big, they couldn't get him close to Jesus, so they somehow got up on the roof with him and tore away some tiles and lowered him down in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? As the tiles are falling to the ground and uh, people are going, what in the world is happening here? And Jesus, as the man is being lowered down in front of him, I imagine is though he's wondering what's this interruption about, is smiling because he sees their faith. The friends lowered him down, and when he saw the faith of not only the friends, but the man lying there, Jesus took everyone by surprise and unexpectedly said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. That faith was welcomed by Jesus, we see. As little and as uninformed as it may be, Jesus welcomed it. He wasn't just talking here about intellectual assent to some proposition, 
But he's talking about a faith that moved towards him, believing that he could do something, moving towards him with this change of mind and repentance. That statement really raised some eyebrows. Scribes and Pharisees questioned this. They were actually quite upset, thinking to themselves, he doesn't have authority to do that. Where does he get off doing that? Who does he think he is? He's speaking blasphemy, which means profaning God himself. Because only God can forgive sins. When it comes to who he is, Jesus has, in effect, in this story, raised the stakes by closing down the options. He is either God or a blasphemer. Either he is the author and bringer of truth, or he is living and proclaiming a total lie, deserving of death. Their take on Jesus that day was, this guy is blaspheming against God. Jesus perceived their questioning minds. He said, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Isn't it interesting? Jesus knew their thoughts. That must have totally blown their minds. It must have been more than a little unsettling. Because that's a God-like quality as well. God knows our minds. And Jesus basically says to them, Let me verify all I've said to this man so that you may know who I really am and where I get my authority to do this. He turned to the paralyzed man said, Stand up, pick up your bed, and go on home. And immediately the man got up, picked up the mat he'd been lying on, and went home glorifying God in faith. With a word, he made the man walk, this Jesus the power of God's word at work here. God said, and it happened. Amazement, of course, seized all of the people in that room, and they glorified God. This is a God thing. Amazing. And they were filled with awe, which means literally fear, saying, we have seen strange, extraordinary things today. It was a shock and awe experience. In the end, this story has turned into another divine epiphany, a manifestation, a revelation of the power and presence and authority of God at work in Jesus' words and actions. The awesome and fearsome glory of God has once again been glimpsed, just as the Apostle Peter glimpsed it when Jesus got in his boat and all those fish got caught. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and talk with you about a couple questions that I've run into along the way as a pastor dealing with people. First, I've been asked, Pastor, do you really believe in miracles? I mean, what about science? My response to that has always been, absolutely yes, I believe in miracles. First, because I've seen some firsthand amazing healings, but also because uh, there are some great minds out there that say they believe in them. 
I think of Christian physicist and MIT professor Ian Hutchinson talks on university campuses and asks, can a scientist believe in miracles? Hutchinson sometimes begins his talks by jokingly saying, can scientists believe in miracles? We can answer that question pretty easily. I'm a scientist and I believe in miracles. So the answer is yes. Then he goes on to say that most of us don't understand the Bible's view of miracles. He says, we tend to view God as mostly hands-off, standing on the sidelines, letting nature look after itself, but then on rare occasions, reaching in to tweak things by the odd miracle here and there. Hutchinson argues, though, that according to the Bible, God continuously holds the universe in the palm of his hand. It exists because of his continuous creative power and will. He sustains it. If he were to stop exerting that upholding power and stop paying attention to every part of the universe, it would instantly cease to exist, he reasons. Thus, Hutchinson defines a miracle this way. A miracle is an extraordinary act of God by which God upholds a part of the universe in a manner different from the normal. And he says, yes, we know more today than people did long ago, but what we know today makes the universe seem, if anything, even more open. I believe in miracles. So can you. Here's a second question I run into. Some skeptics to this day will say, Jesus never really claimed to be God, did he? Isn't that something that got cooked up by man? Well, according to this story, nothing could be further from the truth. He is not only talking with God's authority, but he reveals that authority as he heals the paralytic with just one word from his lips. And he'll claim that authority again and again in the Gospel of Luke as he teaches about the kingdom of God, as he casts out demons, as he controls the storms, as he continues to heal and to forgive others. He'll turn his face toward Jerusalem, now enemy territory, the opposition's home base. But he turns with the authority of God as if he's in charge. He turns without fear in charge of carrying out God's plan for rescuing sinners like you and me from God's wrath. See how he rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on a donkey, declaring his kingship and authority without a word, a silent sermon on authority. See him on the week of his passion, exercising calm, godlike authority as his opposition schemes to make him look bad and tries to make him look terrible before others. See him silently go to the cross, obediently, stand calmly before Pontius Pilate with kingly authority, knowing the pain and suffering that awaited him at the cross, but determined to carry out God's plan of salvation. Kingly authority. And after his resurrection from the dead, he'll announce, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go make disciples of all peoples. And he has told us that someday he will appear again to claim this world as his own for eternity, to judge the living and the dead with authority. He holds eternity in his hand. As Jesus is revealed to us in Luke again and again, we are shown that Jesus is not just one authority among many, but he is the authority over all creation. This all-encompassing authority of his comes from God the Father. 
Well, if Jesus is the authority over all creation, then the question becomes, what kind of response does he look for from the likes of you and me? And I have two words for you to consider today. The first word is faith. Faith is held up as a value in this story. Jesus welcomes it. Faith means trusting in his authority, in his promise of salvation, trusting that your sins are forgiven because of what he has done for you at the cross. Because of the resurrection, God's affirmation, you have a living hope and an inheritance awaiting you in heaven. I know some people really struggle with that. Saying, Pastor, can I really trust that I'm forgiven? It sounds too good to be true. That's not the way the world works. I've been taught that you get what you deserve. You have to work for what you get. There must be something I have to do to make things right with God, to have forgiveness. Christian writer and pastor Stephen Brown tells this story to encourage faith. He said, once in seminary, I got an A on a directed study course, an exegesis on the Sermon of the Mount. I should have gotten a C, he said. Let me tell you why. Somebody told me that since I hadn't seen this professor in the directed study, he was going to flunk me out of the class, and I got scared. I sat down, put a bunch of books on the subject on our dining room table, wrote an 80-page paper in five hours. It was thick. I handed in the paper. The professor was so busy and so impressed with 80 pages, he didn't read it. He just gave me an A. When he gave me the A, did I go back to him and say, you ought to read that paper. I really wasn't that good. It was a lot, but it wasn't good. No, I didn't. I accepted the A. Why? Because the one in authority had given me the A. It's the same way with Jesus Christ. If I, as a pastor, tell you you're forgiven, that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. But if he tells you you're forgiven, you're forgiven. He's the king at the right hand of the Father with his enemies at his footstool. The second word is obedience. Submit to his leadership, his lordship in your life. That means make his word your authority in all matters of not just faith, but also all of life. Ready to do what he says. Forgiving those who have hurt you just as he forgave you. That's what he instructs us. Do it. Be a doer of the word of Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself, no matter who that neighbor may be. Whether he's a Samaritan or an enemy of your nation, or a person of another faith. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind, Jesus says, keeping him at the very center of your life, seeking first, centrally, his kingdom program, doing everything you possibly can to bring others into his kingdom as you point them to Jesus Christ, making disciples. You see, my dear friends, Jesus is not just some authority among many. 
He is the authority over heaven and earth. That's our lesson today. That's what he's trying to tell us. And dear friend, stories like this in Luke were written and saved in order that you and I might be moved to trust him with our very being and obey him in all matters of our life, knowing in our heart of hearts that Jesus holds your eternity in his hands. That is our good news for today. Jesus is Lord, authority, trust him, and obey. Amen. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Let us do his good will. He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and sit at his feet or will walk by his side in the way what he says he will do where he sends we will go never fear only trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to Let's say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. It is our prayer that today's gospel message has encouraged you to recognize Jesus as not just an authority, but the authority in your life. May you be moved to trust him with your very being and obey him in all matters of your life, knowing he holds your eternity in his hands. As a nonprofit ministry, Christian Crusaders is dependent upon the free will donations of our listening family. Memorial gifts are a meaningful way to remember friends and loved ones on their birthday or other special occasions. We are able to accept donations by credit card. 
Write us today at Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. You can also call us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. Or shoot us an email at cc at nas.org. We are grateful to each of our listeners who have remembered Christian Crusaders with their gifts and their prayers. We encourage you to check out our website and find us on Facebook. Visitors on our sites will discover easy-to-find links to the current message, as well as previous messages and other useful information. Check us out today at christiancrusaders.org or online at facebook.com forward slash christian.crusaders. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was Pastor Steve Kramer, speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 83rd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.